The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. First time I spoke to our first guest on the Sunday Grill this morning was January 2013. Back then he was a 13-year-old about to address the world's largest entrepreneur conference. Later that year I spoke to him about his company, Casey Games, an award-winning independent video game company. So if you're good at maths, you'll know that today Waterford man Jordan Casey is 23 and still as impressive as he was as a teenager. He joins me from London this morning to tell me about what he's been up to for the last decade and about his new role as CEO of Fettle.ie. And welcome back to the Sunday Grill, Jordan. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Please, I feel I feel very old now. Thinking back to those days. <laughs> well, now twenty three, you'll know yourself in a few years. You'll be like, God, I was so young and a CEO. <laughs> what a phenomenal decade you've had. When most, you know, thirteen year olds are thinking about secondary school and you know going out and stuff like that. You were establishing yourself as a global voice for youth entrepreneurship and education. You were a self taught programmer since the age of nine, like. Where did this all start from for you? Where did this love of technology start? Um, I, I guess for me, when it first started, I was I was always curious growing up, like um, with 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 technology and computers and computer games and how everything worked. But I think the real spark that I was very lucky to have wasn't really specifically in technology, but was mainly um, sort of that of entrepreneurship. I, I always felt I was very lucky to have a, an entrepreneurial mindset where I used to be uh, selling my old toys and like car boot sales outside my house or like used to pretend, uh, pretend sell karate lessons to my neighbours, even though I had no idea about karate. So like for me, technology was always sort of an outlet for me to kind of convey my entrepreneurial mindset. But I was always just curious with, with tinkering and, and and finding out how things worked and, and how I could make money from those things as well. And does that come from anywhere in your family or um I, I I don't I don't really think so. Both my parents are um accountants. So maybe the, the money side of it might have but uh the technology the technology no uh, I'm the I'm the go to technical handyman uh in my in my family. So um all of that yeah came from me I guess. Uh and self thought, does that mean you were pulling things apart when you were a kid and putting them back together, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, a lot of the time. Except I wasn't really, uh, really good at putting things back together most of the time. But uh, yeah, self thought. So like, um, when I was nine years old, I I used to play a game called Club Penguin, um, which was very popular. And a lot of the users that used to play that game used to be um, sort of making their own websites and blogs around it, and obviously using code to create these. And so I was just curious again. Like I was always interested in tinkering. Uh, started watching some videos on YouTube, started um, reading some books around web development and HTML5 and sort of started from there, really. So like just just YouTube, I think YouTube is one of the, the best educational skill uh, tool sets that's, that's out there, really. Um, it's definitely helped me a, a huge amount. And did you do anything in college then? Or I know lots of people um, got their, maybe got what they wanted or didn't get what they wanted when the points came out this week. Did you, how, how did your leaving cert go and that that journey of going to college? Um, yeah, my leaving cert, I, my, my parents definitely instilled in me, even when I was, was starting off and starting to travel and then speak at conferences, they, they definitely instilled the importance of like an education, uh, if anything, just for like a, a safety net, but also um, just, just so I could sort of make sure that I, I, I remained balanced mm-hmm. and kept my kept my head uh, small enough. But yeah, I went to, I actually went to the WIT or, or SETU. So I studied okay. business there and specialised in accounting. So I was always, I was curious as to whether I'd go into a computer science field, but I just feel like 
the way that sort of I taught myself how to write code and, and, and YouTube and a lot of trial and error would probably differ from I suppose the methods that they use in university where it's 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 a it's a new it's a new sort of skill and um, there's a lot of exams around it and I wasn't sure how I'd adjust to that so for me to expand my skill set and I look into accounting and as I alluded to my parents are also accountants so probably had something to do with it too um, but just it's just it just helps with sort of that um overall sort of business sort of mindset really to have okay. that under my belt as well. And you mustn't be long graduated then are you? No I only graduated last uh, last geez last November. Yeah. Okay so within that time we had the pandemic so you were doing a lot of stuff online then were you? A lot of stuff online yeah I uh, it, it was basically the biggest the biggest sort of thing that allowed me to, to balance uh, because obviously we would we'd usually have to be in class and go to college and, and be in the in the campus but when I was able to do my, my work online, it allowed me to sort of take on clients and, and work as well. And I think the university were very good to me in that they gave me um, a lot of um, sort of leeway. They gave me a lot of support, um, recognized the work I was doing. And so, um, yeah, it was never, never really an issue with, with balancing it, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of online learning. Yeah. So was it at this time that you had developed table play during the pandemic because you were helping businesses in hospitality? Were you in college at the same time as doing that? I was, yeah, I was in okay. college at the same time. So I used to, in 2019, I launched an app called Scene, which was uh, basically this entertainment app and hospitality app for, for Waterford City. Uh, and so uh, at the time the, the pandemic sort of hit, obviously everything was closed. And so I had a couple of months to myself where I, I didn't really have much of a project going on. Uh, wanted to keep myself busy, obviously being sort of in lockdown. And so I just um, worked on this basically, this basic app that allows um, customers to order food and drink from their uh, from their table in, in whatever restaurant they are. So, um, yeah, that did really that did really well. Mm. It sort of um, brought me into a, a new sort of area of hospitality. And, and yeah, it was a great, uh, great learning step there. OK, what do you do for fun then, Jordan? Or is this the fun bit? <laughs> Uh, I no, I definitely enjoy my leisure. I, I, um, you alluded there when I was uh, growing up. I, uh, most people would also be looking at school and going out. Like I'm definitely, definitely fond of that. But yeah, no, I just um, massive football fan. Um, really into sort of just technology, love exploring and and traveling. So like I'm, I, I try try to stay as, as sort of on top of my balance. I, I think burnout is one of the, like the biggest the biggest yeah. fears of mine. And so making sure that. Um, I work work hard, play hard is the mantra, I guess. But uh, no, I definitely make sure I, I take a break every now and then. And do you think this is possibly the biggest humble brag of all time? But like, would you consider yourself a a protege or? Oh, definitely not. No, no. Way. no okay. I, I Why think not? I'm very very lucky that that <laughs> that sort of moniker has been placed on me when I when I started. And, and a lot of people, um, even when I used to be doing interviews, they always used to allude to that. But I'm very much like a, a normal guy like it was just really something that I was passionate about that I had an interest in and that I just sort of didn't really let my age sort of hold me back I think I was just lucky that I was very young when I realized what I wanted to do uh, and had a really good support network around me and my friends my family have been huge support um yeah and I've just been very lucky as well but no I definitely uh Definitely wouldn't consider myself a protege. Just, uh, yeah, just very much a normal guy. But can you understand why people would call you a protege? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Like I can see. Like there are, and I've I've been very lucky to meet 
uh, with my traveling and, and, and the conferences, I've gone to a lot of different and really interesting proteges and, and, and young guys that work in, uh, young guys and girls that work in really, really cool areas. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely, I feel like I'm always, uh, always just trying to normalize myself. Maybe that was the way I was raised or I'm not sure. But, uh, or maybe it's you. an Irish thing. Yeah, but, I think <laughs> so. And were there, when yeah. you were doing all these talks, when you were like 13 onwards, was there a lot of young people at these sort of talking events or were you always the youngest? <laughs> It used to sort of, I guess for me speaking, I'd always be sort of the youngest. I was always kind of used to that. Um, and then usually uh, the attendances at the conferences were, were very much uh, uh, adult business people. Um, so it was always like a nice tra- change of pace for people when I used to jump up on the stage. But no, I just, I, what I really do like is like engaging with our young people and, and, and other people that are interested in the field and sort of helping and advising wherever I could. So there have been loads of conferences where, it's been targeted for for young people and, and, and the youth. And that's that's where I have the most fun because I sort of get to, I get to relate a lot more with them, with, with people sort of of a similar age. Mm. And even now, like I'm, I'm getting back into speaking after COVID and I've gone and spoken at a lot of schools across Ireland and a lot of different events there. And so even a lot of people that are a lot younger than me now, but like it's even, it's even nice to see a lot of people going out on their own journeys and, mm. and helping where I can um, is, is also really nice, yeah. So even though you say you're not a protege, you are 23 and the CEO of Fettle.ie. Tell us about Fettle. What excites you about the company? So so Fettle is um, one of Ireland's uh, leading online therapy platforms. Uh, it was started in it was started in 2021, just as sort of the second lockdown hit as sort of an alternative or a solution for people who were struggling to access um, sort of their therapy services or were longing for sort of that connection um, in lieu of like one on one therapy sessions. And so it stemmed out of that. And obviously, like like many sort of innovations that came during COVID with especially around remote working and, and that hybrid element, it sort of stuck around for a bit. And so um, I, I recently uh, took over a CEO uh, as long, along with another management team uh, consisting of, of John O'Connor, who's the CEO of Collect based in Waterford. And he's also one of the co-founders of the business. And then also Jack Starling um, from Waterford as well. And so for me, like I'm, I'm very, very passionate about uh, technology, obviously, but, but, being able to use technology and promote and create technology that has like a profound impact on, on people's lives and, and just helps and, and, and helps people and to be able to facilitate a platform to be able to to make therapy convenient and accessible for for everybody everywhere at any time um yeah it's definitely something i'm really passionate about like um i i understand personally like the power of of mental health services mm-hmm. of therapy of counseling uh, and so when the opportunity arose for me to, to come in and take over, uh, yeah, it's something I definitely, definitely couldn't resist. And I've, I've, I've loved it so far. It's been a huge learning experience for me, um, engaging with, with different therapists, understanding a lot about um, mental health. It's, uh, yeah, it's been really great. But um, yeah, I guess the technology and, and helping people in general is what really excites me. Well, fair play to you. And you're based in London. Could you be based anywhere with this work? Yeah, I'm very lucky with that. So the company we're actually uh, fully based in Ireland, but I'm I'm coming back and forth between London. Um, yeah, remote work has been uh, one of the best things uh, to come out of of COVID. I guess I've, I'm very I'm very much used to it. As I when I was growing up, I was always sort of working in my bedroom anyway. But like, uh, yeah, it definitely definitely helps. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 great. It's great fun to be able to have that flexibility. Yeah. And is London where it's at? Is that where you want to stay when it comes to kind of contacts and stuff? Is that where you like to be? 
I do like I do like the city. I think when I was when I was twelve and thirteen, when I first uh, sort of started doing conferences, there was a lot of buzz around London, and I was I was uh, speaking at a lot of conferences there. So I managed to kind of build up a network of 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 other entrepreneurs and 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 mentors. Um so I definitely think like it was always something I I wanted to try. Obviously the the ecosystem here is very strong for for tech startups and there's a very good buzz around. I I just enjoy being here as a young person but like with with covid and and with sort of the onset of hybrid working like there's there's no real limit to like to where where you want to work like uh, I don't think it's a it's it's a deterrent that I I'm not in London or I am in London it's um I, I just it's just the environment I do enjoy but like eventually I think like I do like a lot of the stuff that's happening back home I think uh, I think Ireland is very lucky as well to have a really strong tech tech ecosystem strong startup ecosystem um we're seeing a lot more support going into some of the more regional cities and towns we're seeing co-working spaces sort of pop up and and provide really good sort of community environments for people in the space so um probably spend a little bit more time here but uh no no real limits no real limits that's good to hear well you were 13 when i first spoke to you jordan 23 now let's see what you're doing at 33 and where you're living some are very fancy i think and and still not calling yourself a protege thanks a million for talking to me this morning if you want to check out uh, the online therapy platform that is fettle it is fettle.ie that is waterford's jordan casey he is their 23 year old ceo jordan thanks a million for joining me this morning Thanks so much for having me again. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Across the southeast, it is Beat 102-103. You're listening to The Sunday Grill and you know you are fully in autumn when I mention Waterford's Harvest Festival. This is the 14th annual Waterford Harvest Festival. It takes place next weekend, September 8th to the 10th. There's lots going on for the festival this year. And to tell us more, I'm joined in studio by Shona Dubois. I'm one of the stallholders this year that is Adriano. Go for it with your... What's your surname there? Actually, Adriano. Oh. <laughs> Adriano. Cavaliere. <laughs> Cavaliere. Cavaliere. Yes. Cavaliere. Um, from Azuro. You know Azuro well if you're in Dunmorese. But you're also, tell it, what's the name of your food truck then? Is it Azuro well, also? Well, it's Azuro, yeah. We do, um, we do wood-fired pizza and then I pretend to be Spanish and I sell pies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I picked up a recipe from a, a Spanish friend of mine many years ago. Oh. So, yeah. So, um and what, you just make a big paella a, for the day? Yeah, so we make big, enormous batches of paella. We do a big pan, feed wow. about 120 people. Nice. So we've been doing that for a while. And curiously, we used to always do mixed seafood and chicken and chorizo. Yeah. But the last few events we've done, we've also done a vegan paella. Oh, lovely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And is that popular? Well, there's a demand for it there now. Yes, there, there is. There wasn't one before. Yeah, but very interesting. Now. So that's just a little, just yeah. chop it down. And it's quite interesting how... Pizzas have taken off. I know we've always had pizzas have always been a staple of the takeaway in in Ireland, mm-hmm. along with the Italian chipper. But we love an artisan pizza now, don't we? We love a sourdough base. And I remember a, everybody. I've only met one person in my forty three years on this earth who does not like pizza. What's your most popular topping then? What do people go for the most? Pepperoni. Pepperoni. I knew, you were say that. I knew Pepperoni. that as well. This yeah. is Ireland after all. Yeah. Pepperoni. I like well, uh, an L anchovy. Yeah, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Anchovy's favourite pizza, yeah. anchovy and olives. Mm-hmm. Olives, capers, yeah. and anchovies is a really yeah. good combination. Love really it. good combination. Yeah. 
Anyway, I, I always kind of give a silent nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a real yeah, exactly. Yeah. He understands what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> so like, you're yeah. going to be at the Harvest Festival uh, yes. in Waterford yes. City Centre, and my brother Dario, the two and, there. and the brother, yes, as well. Um, and lots going on for the 14th Harvest Festival, Shona, and double the size. I'm hearing double the size. Yes. Wow. So on the back of last year. We decided um, we would take a really good look at how we can improve on it and bring more to the streets. So the core focus for us this year was growing the market. We had so many traders that were interested in trading last year and we couldn't fit them all in. So we've expanded the footprint this year. So we're going all the way down O'Connell Street, down onto Gladstone Street, um, back into John Roberts Square and around Rundle Square. And we've about... Yeah, 60 odd traders that are going to be joining us for the weekend, which is a big jump up on last year. So we're very excited. Wow. And lots of different events going on as well. Yeah, we've a really full programme. And the key to it for us is we want to make as much as possible free because really the festival itself is a celebration of Waterford food and the city. And we see it as a kind of a moment to bring bring everybody out and celebrate what we have in Waterford, which is so wonderful. So we have the Food Matters talk tent, which is going to go into John Robert Square. And over the Saturday and Sunday, we have 14, 15 different panels and discussions talking about everything from Ireland's um, garden birds to food matters and stopping food pollution. So everything from food systems to sustainable living. And we have a whole heap of really, really interesting experts um, and panelists coming to join us for that. We have an extensive kids area down on O'Connell Street called the GOI Junior Zone. And again, full programme of events there for the two days um, with workshops and demos and teaching kids how to grow some food for the first time. We're going to be doing seed sowing. We have a lovely farm, um, petting farm that's going to be down. And I found out yesterday we're going to have a bunny petting tent, which we're all very excited about. (laughs) And an alpaca with her little (gasps) baby also. So Macho and Pom Pom are going to join us. So there's just heaps on. The music stage will be running all weekend. Um, up in just at the bottom of Patrick Street okay. and there'll be just tons of benches and just well, crack everywhere to be found Lovely what a lovely way to start autumn yeah. off as well um, and you're very committed to sustainability um, is it something that you find people who come are very interested in or is it something that you're trying to promote more? Do you know it's probably a little bit of both um, sustainability especially in terms of food systems is obviously a very core belief for us at GIY and we're all about trying to teach people what we call food empathy which is really at its most basic form just a reconnection with food understanding where it comes from because we know that that leads to all sorts of kind of positive climate behaviour which is really really important at the moment so the partnership with Waterford City and County Council to run the Harvest Festival felt like a really unique opportunity for us to bring together those two worlds of you know food systems in a really consumer facing way like getting out on the street and talking to people Um, but also then there's like the back of house side of it which is how do you run an actual sustainable festival which is really really difficult and so over the course of last year and this year we've been trying to implement better ways more um, more efficient ways of running the festival and this year I suppose our big win is that all the generators for the festival the entire festival is going to be run off HVO which is hydrogenated vegetable oil which is basically a green fuel um, and we're not running anything on diesel this year so that's going to reduce the emissions from the generators by up to 90% so that's kind of a, a core move forward for us and I believe we're the first city festival to run on this green fuel so hopefully we're setting setting the standard now for every festival thereafter um, and then you know we have the same kind of standards applied to all our traders they all have to come with compostable serveware we're encouraging festival goers to bring their reusable cups we're going to have rinse stations at the festival so they can you know go and buy your cheese and mm-hmm. wash out your coffee cup to to buy your cup of coffee without using a single-use cup and um, 
and um, we'll have water stations around the festival as well. So there's lots of different ways that we're trying to improve the sustainability of the event. But and when did you start to see that coming into play? Like you're there 14 years. I don't think that would have been there 14 years ago. No, so the festival is running 14 years, but GIY took it over last year. So the mm. partnership. So we wanted to kind of set a benchmark last year when we came in and we worked with a company called Native Events and they helped us do, we wanted to measure the carbon footprint of the festival and our ambition over the three-year partnership we have with the council is to try and reduce that as much as possible and to try and set those sustainability standards for all future city events so that we'd all have that consistency around um, how to run the events in the best possible way. So we've been just kind of chipping away at that since then. Um, the boring bits that nobody really wants to think about. Waste management is a huge um, difficulty for any festival and event. Mm, especially and that kind of takeaway industry yeah, as well. Yeah, it's really mm. tricky. And we tried, you know, we tried a system last year with food waste bins for traders and that didn't work. They were all contaminated. So mm. we're trying a different system this year and we're, we're going to have waste ambassadors around all our bin units um, trying to just kind of educate festival goers and traders alike to make sure that the right rubbish is going into the right bin because mm-hmm. that's a big... It's a big part of the the festival output, I suppose, is all the waste that it generates. So, okay. yeah, there's lots of ways we're trying to make it bigger yeah. and better, as it's well it's, as then it's, teaching it's people. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky Very one. Very hard, Adrian. It's a tricky oh, one yeah. because it's from both sides. Mm. Yeah. Lots of stuff going on. Do you find, I, I always find at food festivals, I end up just going and eating pizza, <laughs> you know, yeah. trying everything. That's the spirit. Having a falafel. <laughs> it's always a falafel for yeah. me as well. I'll have two or three things. Do people... You know, is is that what mainly people are doing or are they heading to the events as well? Is that no, a kind of a smaller side? Yeah, I find that because when we're mapping out the festival footprint, you kind of have to put that stuff right at the heart of it. Mm. So you're getting a natural footfall. And the good bit is people tend to grab a bite to eat and they want to go and sit somewhere. So they'll often come and sit in one of the tents where there might be talk going on or go and sit in front of the chefs for the demo. So, yeah, no, it's a real good mix of... They'll come and eat. Our, our, what we want is for people to come in in the morning, go for a walk around, grab some lunch, come and see some talks, maybe take some free plants home from the plant stand, bring the kids down to the kids area. We want them to spend the whole day. It's all about bringing people into the city centre and spending their money locally and just really coming away with that pride of, you know, being part of Waterford. Lovely so. stuff. Well, it's next week from the 8th to the 10th. So it kicks off on the Friday. Kicks off so on the Friday. So the markets are all there on the Friday, are they yeah, the stallholders? So, okay. Yeah, the market will kick off at around midday okay. uh, on Friday and then the rest of the programming kicks off all day Saturday and Sunday. Brilliant stuff. Good stuff. And where will you be, Adriano? I think we're outside City Square. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to be outside City Square. Outside the main entrance to City Square. We need to leave a lot of room for queues for you, Adrian. Not with the speed that I can get that pie (laughs) show. You don't worry about that. It takes about 45 minutes to cook, but then I can bang it out quick smart. We'll have all the anchovies, pineapples, olives, all the the stuff that causes a lot of debate. Pineapples aren't very sustainable Ah, now. Oh, are they not? No. Anchovies? Am I okay with anchovies? anchovies Marginally better, yeah. (laughs) Anchovies and olives for me, please. Is that what it is? Okay. No, but what we will have, I brought you in some samples. Oh, yeah. I brought you in some samples. I have here some heirloom tomatoes. Oh, lovely. Yes, from David Curd in Grandstown. And I also have some regular cherry tomatoes. Unfortunately, we're, we're on the radio, so. You can't see it. So we will be serving these on our pizzas. Gorgeous. And, and a rainbow of Yes, reds. rainbow heirlooms. The, yeah. the, the Rolls Royce. And we'll have Rocket from Tom Cleary lovely, in Wexford. Lovely. And uh, Parmesan cheese from Italy. But we won't discuss yeah. that. <laughs> but right mostly now. local products. Mostly local. Where possible. Where yeah. possible. Well, lovely. That is. Uh, look out for the Azuro ba- van at City Square. And then lots going on for Harvest Festival. As Shona told us, it's harvest.giy.ie if you want to get more details. Thanks a million, both of you, for coming in. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.
Well, time to get training because the very pink run was launched during the week. The global event has seen 78,000 participants from over 40 countries take place to date, raising €6 million for groundbreaking breast cancer research. This year, it's both a physical and a virtual event. And there's a venue here in the southeast. CEO of Breast Cancer Ireland, Ashling Hurley, joins me on the phone this morning with more details. You're very welcome, Ashling. Thanks very much, Orla. So busy time and a new sponsor as well this year. Yes, delighted. Uh, we have a new sponsor the, by the Very Group. They've come on board now for a three-year partnership, which is very exciting, excuse the pun. Um, and But equally, Glombie are still staying involved. They're staying as a secondary sponsor, which is fantastic, as, 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 along with all of our other sponsors, which means that you know every cent that we raise from entry fee and from individual sponsorship that people get who are participating goes directly to fund our research efforts. And that is three specific areas, isn't it? Yes, indeed. So one of the areas is in relation to metastatic disease, and this is where an initial breast cancer diagnosis and treatment um, has occurred where the tumour has spread into other major organs of the body. So it can go to the lungs, the liver, the bones, etc. And we have a lot of clinical trial drugs that are now available that are are able to treat that secondary breast cancer. But unfortunately, there are times when it goes into the brain. That is the most challenging we have. And with a stage four diagnosis, you know, about 10 years ago, that was a terminal diagnosis. Nowadays, we are able to say that people can live and can live quite well with their cancer treatment. Um, but the brain is a challenging one. And so we're working together with centres here in Ireland, collaborating with centres in the US, Mayo Clinic, Pittsburgh, and also with Chicago. And we're trying to come up with ways of preventing the tumour from entering the brain barrier. And that's something that we are investing hugely in as one, one area. second area, I suppose, is we're looking at we fund a lot of fellowships and research scholarships mm-hmm. for scientific investigation. That's investigation in the labs. And one of the key things that we're looking at is another subtype breast cancer called triple negative breast cancer. And that tends to happen younger women. So these women tend to be in the re- region of, say, 20 to 45, okay. which alongside that is their still childbearing age profile. But unfortunately, research there hasn't been enough research into this particular type of aggressive breast cancer. So the age-old of chemo, surgery and radiation therapy is what's prescribed. As we know, chemotherapy is very toxic. So these women also have to go down, at the same time, running in parallel, a fertility treatment plan, freezing eggs, etc. So hugely traumatic. So what we've done with, we did a nationwide call out about three years ago, and Queen's University in Belfast had a team under Professor Paul Mullen, who decided that they would um, research and try and find if they could come up with a targeted therapy a drug that was outside of chemotherapy to treat this cohort of women. And to be fair, their research is now starting to prove quite uh, beneficial. They're due to go for publication. And if that happens, then we will be pushing for that to go on into clinical trial. Wow, and the funds go to that. And then there's a third thing as well. Yes, the other things that we fund are we fund our research nurses and their specific and specialist nurses. And they're around the uh, centres of excellence around the country. And the idea with them is, and it was something we set up when we set up Breast Cancer Ireland was, because if you look at um, eight centres of excellence, each centre would see on average, you know, 10,000 women a year. And of that, they might have about three or 400 who actually present with breast cancer. So they would do research only on those 300 samples every year, which, as we know, is never going to make progress in a speedy way. So we put in, we decided we would recruit research nurses, put them in the designated cancer centres, ask them to collaborate and collate all of the patient samples into one large national biobank. And as a result, we're seeing centres which in the past would have maybe had one peer-reviewed publication in, say, 24 months. They're now having something like 17 and 18 in a 12-month period. 
Oh, it's really interesting to hear though exactly where the monies go to. I know when you're raising funds for maybe a charitable venue or an event, you know, but something as big as Breast Cancer Ireland, it's it's really interesting to see where all that money is being channel, channeled into. And you've done really well fundraising so far with the Great Pink Run, haven't you? Uh, oh, absolutely. And um, like each year we, you know, we channel the funding into, we try to invest in our research efforts. I suppose if you look at it, you know, the globe got together, the world came together for COVID. We got four vaccines. We were able to repurpose certain vaccines that were there that we knew would target the COVID COVID pandemic. So now we're saying, well, look, if we really put our minds to this and try and collaborate with other excellent centres, surely we can come further down the road and come up with these amazing new drugs and repurpose existing drugs that can help target and treat the various subtypes of breast cancer. And like we started a a clinical trial last year with funds that we had raised and the trials cost in the region of about 2 million euros. Now the pharmaceutical companies donate the drug to us, which is fantastic and really generous of them. But we're now looking at a a HER2 subset of uh, patients who have had a recurrence and we're going to be giving them a fourth generation drug called Daruxtacane together with chemotherapy initially. Then we're going to de-escalate the need for chemotherapy altogether, continue on this new drug. And the promise is that they will see a 100% response rate for this subtype of breast cancer, wow, which amazing. in my world is a cure, which is fantastic. Totally. And like for people who are running and raising money, so, you know, you can feel so helpless when it comes to cancer to hear all these things are being done and all this proactive stuff is happening as well in the background. Let's talk a little bit about the run, Ashling, because anyone can do it. There's no age limit. You can even bring your dog. You can bring your turtle if you want to. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have a, a gentleman in Dublin who does a Dublin event every year. He's now 87. He used to run it. He's now walking, stroke jogging it with his daughters. So it is open to everybody and anybody, men, women and children, because unfortunately, everybody does know somebody who's been diagnosed mm-hmm. with this disease. And it's a great way to come together as a community and give something back. And while we do have the physical events, which is fantastic and people love them because it's a real sea of pink on the days, um, there is the ability to do it virtually between the 30th of September and the 8th of October. Um, And it's just, it is a fantastic, I I can't even explain the sense and the atmosphere that's there on the day. It's a big family fun-filled carnival for all the world. Lovely. Now, you have a southeast event at the Kilkenny Castle Park, which is a gorgeous park to run in. Um, it's on the 1st of October, and that's an important one because that's the start of Breast Cancer Awareness Month as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And it'll start, it'll kick off around 11 o'clock. Now, the 10K will go at 12, and the 5K participants will head off at, at 1 o'clock. So there'll be face painters, there'll be music, there'll be food trucks, there'll be coffee stalls, etc. So even if you don't want to do any of the... Um, routes that are there you've just come along and enjoy the day lovely stuff well that is October 1st but as you said it's a virtual event as well and if you're not in Kilkenny there's loads of other venues on different dates too just bear that in mind in Dublin mm-hmm. in uh, Cork as well a new venue in Cork this year you can get more details at very.ie some of the statistics as well are stark when it comes to breast cancer and as I said next month is, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month 23% of women diagnosed between the age of 20 and 50 every 29 seconds someone in the world is diagnosed with breast cancer. And as I was saying earlier, it's so easy to feel really helpless when it comes to cancer and cancer research. So any funds that you raise will go to doing that research and much more with Breast Cancer Ireland. Ashling, are you doing the run yourself for your runner or walker? 
I am a walker and a little bit of a runner, but on the days I'm very much the starter and the finisher. Okay. I'm there to cheer them on over the line on both on both occasions. Okay. But you know what's also very important for people to understand is a huge amount of education and awareness we also do. And it is about downloading our app called Breast Aware. It's free across all Androids. Okay. Um, it shows you how to do a self-breast examination. It shows you the signs and symptoms to look out for. Um, it's so important that people are knowledgeable of where their baseline is today and do it on a regular basis. Mm. That's how we detect them early and that's how we save lives. And we hear it so much that early detection is key. I just think, like, I know myself, uh, uh, the word breast cancer terrifies me. It's, it's uh-huh. you know, sometimes it's hard to even go as far as doing monthly checks. Yeah. But all I can say is, you know, with this awareness program that we have, and it's around the country, we have coordinators who cover Munster, Leinster um, and Connacht, and their whole goal is going into schools, to companies and community groups, offering this free of charge presentation with a medical mannequin showing the signs and symptoms and trying to take that fear factor out of mm. checking yourself on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. Well, well done, Ashing, and best of luck with the Very Pink Run. Very.ie is where you will get more details and you can register there as well and get your sponsorship card and venues in Dublin, Cork and importantly for the South East this year in Kilkenny in the Castle Park there on October the 1st. And you can do it virtually as well. You can just get your kilometres in and it's a five or ten kilometre run. Isn't that right, Ashling? That's correct. It's five and ten kilometre distance. And the registration is www.verypinkrun.ie. Ah, perfect. Good stuff. That's verypinkrun.ie. That is Ashling Hurley, CEO of Breast Cancer Ireland. Thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thanks very much indeed. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Verypinkrun.ie is that website if you want to find out more details about the Very Pink Run, which is happening at different dates and venues across Ireland. The Kilkenny one, as I said, is in the Castle Park on October the 1st. The website is a great one. Um, it has running tips from Sonia O'Sullivan, um, tips on Couch to 5K, how to fundraise, tips on how to fundraise well, and lots, lots more if you want to check it out. It is a Very Pink Run. Dot IE. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103. Brian's here. Hello. In the last hour, I talked to a 23-year-old tech protege. What age are you? 26. And? I'm a double tech protege. <laughs> I started Google when I was six years old. There you go. Yeah. That is what we call a gigantic lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? <laughs> if you thought I started Google and I'm... Imagine. Yeah. That would make me incredibly naive. Um, you got to sit on the couch this week. I watched some clips for this movie and I am also going to sit on the couch and watch this this weekend. Yeah. I really like Adam Sandler. Um, what was the movie that he did did really well for him on Netflix? Hustle. Like, I mean, a couple of years ago, he's a diamond dealer. Uncut Gems. Loved it. No, but like this is the thing. This is the main thing that from watching like this movie was I just love how he approaches movies. You know the way like Tom Cruise approaches movies that he knows that people will go to the cinema and want the experience of cinema. Mm -hmm. Adam Sandler, I don't know how he manages. Like I know it's this isn't really like he's not a main character in this, but he always seems to just have the vibe of it's just himself and his friends and family having fun making yeah. movies and He's it's just such a himself yeah and it's like they, they just seem like they're having a great time and it seems like like it mightn't be the best movie you've ever seen but it has so much heart in it like mm-hmm. you you just feel like the characters 
are such good friends in real life that this was so real to me. And not just are they good friends, they are family as well. Is it three of his daughters feature in this or two of them? Two of them are like, like the main character is his daughter. Okay. And then there's another like, um, like his other daughter is also plays his other daughter in it. Mm -hmm. And he's the dad. And then his wife is Adina Menzel because he always has to have some random massive celebrity wife. And also (laughs) his own wife is in it. Like as, as, his daughter's best friend's mother. Okay, great. And this is, of course, a called You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. It has been out on Netflix for the past week. Will we listen to a clip from it and then you can tell us more? Okay. Here we go. My Bat Mitzvah determines the rest of my life. If I have a kick-ass party, doors would open. And I just think Dua Lipa would make the party perfect. You can have a ball pit. That's for kids. I've had my period for seven months now. That's a long period, sweetheart. La 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 la. La 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 la. I'm not popular. What is happening? You look insane. Slay queen. I'm not a loser. I look like the lady that pulls kids out of class when their parents get into car accidents. How often does that happen? I might be a little obsessed. One day, Andy Goldfarb will be mine, and you will have a cool boyfriend too, and then we'll have a joining loss in Tribeca. In Taylor Swift's building. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Can you just let me explain, please? No, let me explain to you. We are no longer friends. There you go. That's your So Not Invited to My Bar Mitzvah. And there's, I'm so intrigued by these things. It's Bar Mitzvah for when it's a girl. Bat Mitzvah. Oh. The way around. You're so not invited to my bat mitzvah. That's it. Yeah, okay. Um, I love these sort of things. You know, we're all, it's kind of like our version of a communion, but without Dua Lipa. Yeah, well. <laughs> so I think Dua Lipa could definitely make an appearance at communions. Yeah, I'd say you could afford Dua Lipa. Yeah, why not? Tell us the background of this. So it's, it's, it is an interesting thing because I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie about a bat mitzvah before. Mm. Like you've seen a lot of movies about bar mitzvahs and stuff and it's like, Okay, it's it's very interesting to see, but literally as I was watching it, I was like, do you know what? It's not something that's really shown a lot. No, you know? true. And true. I feel like to have it in this kind of a fun context is great. And like even Joe, you know, like the kind of when you think of like a, a rabbi type character, mm-hmm. like so Sarah Sherman is playing that. So she's on SNL. Actually, genuinely think she's very very funny. So it's like it's it's so kind of classic. I suppose Adam Sandler movies that he still kind of gets the characters, the actors from SNL. That yeah. kind of starts in movies and stuff, which I just think is like he definitely has an influence there, like you know. Totally. But uh, it's 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 a movie about friendship, and it's a basically so. It's a coming. Well, it is a coming it's of a age. Bat mitzvah, it is a coming of age. Literally coming of age movie. But like as great eighties and nineties coming of age movies, it kind of fits into those sort of. A, Do you know what? It you know? does, and it absolutely knows it as well because mm. at one stage they're they're at a John Hughes. Um, ah. Like watch it, like a watchathon thing. Like they don't show any of the movies or anything, but uh-huh. they're they're at like they. So John Hughes is is recognized in this, you know. So okay. it's like it's just it's such a simple story. It, it's like basically uh, these just girls fancying the same lad and just kind of classic movie issues. But you kind of miss those, you know. Yeah, everything has become so deep and so oh totally and so superhero-y That yeah. I could do with you know. You know, John Hughes is the man who brought his first Bueller's Day Off and 16 Candles and stuff like that. You don't see movies like that anymore. There is, like, sometimes some things come around you're like, Joe, it's long, long that same vibe. And I know it's like, kind of like, oh, you, it's, it's its own thing. And it absolutely is. It's 100% like 
John Hughes would never have made it. It's mm. so many more like social media and everything influences and stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, it has the vibe, it has the feeling of it, you know? It has that kind of like eternal optimism, but also like that complete heart of jo- a John Hughes movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. Like, for, it's not, and it's definitely not for everybody. It absolutely is for me, though. I, I really, really enjoy that kind of a movie. And did you enjoy uh, not like being at home watching it or could have been on the big screen for you? See, again, I think it's a thing with Adam Sandler movies that I do feel that they're made to be watched at home. Yeah. Like like any of his movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, Uncut James made for like film festivals, mm-hmm. let's be real. But like apart from that, like Waterboy, great to watch in the cinema, but absolutely better to watch with your friends at home on the telly. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like all those kind of movies, Happy Gilmore, all those things are to be rewatched. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? So it is one of those movies that if this was in, in like a year's time and I was scrolling through Netflix and it popped up again, I was like, do you know what? I did enjoy that when I watched it, like, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I watched one with him with Kay Hudson on the telly recently and really enjoyed it. Just even this background noise in a way, you know, you yeah. don't have to concentrate too much. I can't even remember. Oh, 50 First Dates. Yeah, and uh, the only, the, like, his best movie, I think, is Click. Oh. Have you seen Click? Don't Click? Know Click. You've never no. seen Click? No. Click is fantastic. It's the one where he has the remote that makes him kind of control his life. Okay. Uh, I don't even know it's that. It's like, I don't know, 2006 or something. It. Forever and always will make me cry. Okay, we must check yeah. that one out. Um, uh, lots of really good reactions to this. Um, it, uh, like really high on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, some of the reviews on IMDb as well saying it's really good to find a Jewish movie that's fun, engaging, and mostly an accurate portrayal of the of the of Jewish things. Actually, starring Jewish actors, and of course we have the whole Bradley Cooper debacle at the yeah, moment, true. who has been playing uh, Leonard Bernstein. And is not Jewish himself, and there's the whole issue with the prosthetic nose and everything. Yeah, so. but look, I th- I think this is one of those things where they just got real people, like they just like yeah. this, you you definitely feel like there's such an element of real teenagers. As yeah, well. you know, not the real. Oh, she's the, she's going to be the next adult superstar. Yeah, she's just yeah, a real or it's teenager. like they're they're famous going into it, like they're, yeah. and it, I think they're unashamedly Adam Sandler's children in it mm-hmm. as well. Like there's, and they they even sometimes they're just having a conversation and they just start shouting and it's like it's such a him thing to do but at the same time he controls it as well because you know he knows it you know and it's like they they, they can have a proper conversation mm-hmm. they can actually like really communicate and it's like a really father daughter like it really feels like a family the whole family does you know oh, so. stuff. I'm definitely going to watch it on yeah. Netflix this week um, Sonny Sandler and Sadie Sandler of course are Adam's children and then Adina Menzel and Adam were husband and wife also in Uncut Gems. Yes. Yeah. So kind of a feeling of familiarity in here, like a good vibe going on, family and friends. I think it, I think it's one of those things where Uncut James was fantastic. Definitely okay. was fantastic. But it was definitely more an intense shoot, I feel, than this. Yeah. And I feel like it was definitely their way of having like fun on set again, uh-huh. but like not as much drama. I mean, you don't have to do as much. We can still we can still do another movie together, kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna check this one out. You are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. That's it. Let's give it some black puddings out of ten. I give it like an eight out of ten. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff for a Netflix movie because I always say this about Netflix, but it takes a lot for me to actually stick with something that is on streaming media. Do you know the, it's the funny th- like there's so many fantastic Netflix mm. originals. Mm. There's so like a few of my favorite movies of all time are Netflix mm. originals. What did I watch recently that you recommended to me? The National Lampoon. A futile stupid gesture. That's a Netflix original. Ritz, yeah, such a great movie. Will Forte, Donald Gleeson, and 
stupid gesture. Stupid gesture. Love it's it. fantastic. Yeah. It's so I I one of my all time favorites. But like that's yeah. I can go on about that another day. There you go, but in the meantime, this is called You Are So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. It has been out for the past week on Netflix. I'm sure you'll find it on the trending now if you're looking for it. Eight black puddings out of ten. Brian, our very own protege. Thanks a million for coming in this morning. No bother at all. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.